the best cure for no longer naturally producing serotonin could very well be winning game seven as a cursed franchise. Welcome back to No Bucks Given. I am your host, Agu Ibanez Beldor, a struggling basketball addict and an even more struggling normal person. Welcome back to the podcast. If you're new here, we post weekly, usually on Sundays or Mondays earlier in the week, which will cover the basketball. Right now, we're in the middle of the playoffs. It's the best time of the year to listen to basketball podcasts unless you lose game six by 15 and assume that your team is going to lose for the rest of the series. On the weekends, occasionally I will have episodes called Casuals. I am looking for a new name for that because it used to just be sitting around with casual NBA fans making jokes and playing drinking games. But now it's turned into something more casual than even that. And the next two episodes are going to be about dating apps with two women friends of mine. I worded that so terribly. Please don't get mad at me. And the Icklist, if you guys know what the Icklist is. If not, check out that pod and you'll learn about it. We had a crazy weekend in the NBA in the playoffs and I've brought in a fellow fan of a cursed franchise with me Jay at JWAP6 on Twitter welcome to the podcast brother glad to be here man excited really excited yeah it's it's a great time uh if you guys don't know Jay he's on Twitter uh I typically just follow people that I see tweets that I think are funny or have good tweets or good thoughts on basketball and check out their content from there. I found his podcast, the popular demand podcast where they talk about hip hop, basketball and movies. Uh, it's a group of guys usually have like four or five dudes on there and everyone's got a great personality, big fan. Check that out. He's also part of the problematic posse, a the Twitter bio that I copy and pasted without any, Credit is a collective of best friends who love anime and video games. They stream all the time. They're on a lot of different formats. I mean, you are busy. Can I assume that? Yeah, 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 yeah. My friends keep me, they keep me busy around the clock. It's yeah, a, yeah. It's fun though. It's fun though. It is. And you're covering so many different medias. It's super cool to, you know, be up to date with stuff like that. I think that's really cool. I wanted to ask before we get into everything else about being a Clipper fan. In terms of where did you grow up and why did you choose the team? Not because you have to choose a team based on where you are born, but typically the laws of nature work that way. So I'm from Mississippi, born and raised. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, well, okay, Mississippi. So what's they got to do with LA? Go to Clippers. So right. stick with me. Um, I was a big fan of Chris Paul. Oh, yeah. Who played New Orleans. So if you're from Mississippi, there's no, there's no um, pro football team. There's no pro basketball team so you right. end up either being a fan of the you know the biggest team so he's like the lakers or the cowboys right or you'd be a fan of the most the closest pro teams which is uh the hornets the saints or or the atlanta teams which is um like the hawks or the braves and i'm like uh right. being a hawks fan not really cool but right. i was i was really into chris paul loved him and uh so when he got traded to the clippers I was like, oh, well, I don't want to root for these guys that are left on the <laughs> at that time they weren't the Pelicans. They were actually the uh No, they were the the Hornets. Yeah, they were still the, the Hornets. Hornets. Yeah. They were still the Hornets. And so I was like, I don't want to root for these guys. I'm like, I want to follow my boy Chris Paul. And so <laughs> I followed him to the Clippers. Um, I was also always a big fan of big men. Um, Kevin Garnett was originally like my favorite player. Gotcha. So, so when he went to the Celtics, I had already kind of had a kind of a small disdain for the Lakers <laughs> for the Celtics for a while. Right. So rooting for the Clippers, being a Chris Paul fan, being a fan of big man with Blake, Blake Griffin being a young budding Blake, 
being a young budding big man who seemed like he was destined for greatness and right. rivals to the to the Lakers. I said, oh, this is perfect. So right. that's, that's, that explains my Cl- uh, Clipper fandom. That's cool. That's cool. I, it's interesting to hear that. I, I, I we don't talk about like people that grow up in cities that don't have pro sports teams enough in terms of how their fandom is bro, uh, grown or anything like that. There's a guy on Twitter named socialist bucks. Um, every, mm-hmm. every bucks fan account is uh, a very depressed white person behind the image. I promise you that much. Um, and, and it's great. It's good content. I, you can't, I can't blame him, you know? Uh, but he was talking about how, he grew up, I don't recall the city, where he grew up was somewhere without a sports team. And the only reason he's a Bucks fan is when he was like 14, he had 2K and his my player got drafted to the Bucks. And he's been a Bucks fan. He's been cursed to be a Bucks fan because of that one thing that happened. We happy now, though. We happy now, though. Yeah, um, yeah. I want to cover the firings first. Before we get into the playoffs, I haven't talked about this in the podcast. We'll go quick. Not going to be a ton. Uh, we had three coaches either fired or not like charles barkley said uh they they don't fire white coaches they come to a mutual agreement to walk away so that's what happened with three white coaches this past weekend stan van gundy after one year on the pelicans was fired because it was a bad hire in the first place love stan love his politics love his ideology even like him as a coach in general but was not the right fit and he's a decade too old in terms of his process in to be in the nba uh, Pelicans assistant coaches Teresa Weatherspoon, who was uh, went viral for that awesome post game clip that she had, and Fred Vincent are considered serious candidates to replace him. That was Kevin O'Connor reporting that. Woj reported that Fred Vincent will get serious consideration for the franchise's head coaching job. Since 2010, he's worked with Monty Williams, Elvin Gentry, and Stan Van Gundy. Just Pelicans, you know, for a long time. He's survived a lot of coaches getting fired. Uh, and in search of a replacement, they're expected to circle back to people that they interviewed a year ago because they hired a coach a year ago, including Jack Vaughn and Ime Uduka on Brooklyn, Charles Lee, Milwaukee, Jason Kidd in the Lakers. Let me say this about Jason Kidd real quick, because everyone is rumored to want Jason Kidd, uh, at least most, you know, apparently he was Dame's choice for head coach and he turned down that job which I don't know where Jason Kidd goes, like where he comes from to turn down a head coaching job right now. He didn't even interview for it. It's ridiculous. Spinsters basketball podcast with Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Liggins talked about this. They had a very good uh, conversation about this, and I don't feel as qualified, but in quoting them, they said, as women watching the sport, they recognize that if you are good at what you do, it doesn't really matter what you do to women or other people. Uh, as long as you're a good player, people won't care about that. Maybe that's not, maybe that's not how it should work, but it is how it works, you know, but Jason Kidd fucking sucks at his job too. So I don't understand why he's getting any consideration. He was considered a bottom two coach while he was coaching the bucks. They hired Mike Budenholzer who looks like the worst coach in the playoffs And he immediately turned that team into a contender. It's not that hard when you have talent, but kids somehow squandered it for so many years. And now because he's a Laker assistant coach and listen, all due credit, hall of famer, one of the best point guards of all time. That's just my thing with Jason Kidd. It's fucking annoying. Um, Do you have any thoughts on Stan Van Gundy or apparently Jason Kidd, who I spent more time talking about? I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head with Stan Van Gundy. He, that job, 
he took over with all those young, very, super young players, like guys right. like in like their early 20s. I feel like he was like he was always doomed for failure, set up yeah. for failure for the simple fact that like it was like this huge age gap between them. I don't feel like he'd be able to he'd be able his voice would right. actually stem. And lo and behold, Zion wasn't really feeling Stan Van Gundy. Um, B.I. wasn't really feeling was Stan not. Van Gundy. Um, his this game plan and just the way that the Pelicans chose to function as a whole just did not work. Right. And I Stan Van Gundy's philosophy in terms of basketball is just too is too outdated to yeah. uh, function in this, today's NBA. They didn't take any threes. They, right. as a, they didn't shoot any threes in the NBA in an NBA where threes is a hot commodity. You have right. to take them. Right. So yeah, Stan Van Gundy, he's firing. Completely get it. Yeah, I get it too. Uh, don't get it too twisted though, guys at home. Uh, I saw a tweet. It was great. David Griffin trick y'all. He did, you know, he did. This guy traded Drew Holiday for a bunch of picks and George Hill and Eric Bledsoe for a rebuilding team, a young team that's a brilliant move. You get all the picks you want Mm -hmm. and a couple of usable players, however you view them. He trades the only one of those that can shoot threes, which is something that you need very badly, and a protected pick to Oklahoma City for Steven Adams, who doesn't fit with half the players in the league, let alone Zion Williamson next to him and nope. gives him a three-year extension. And now he doesn't want to keep Lonzo ball. Who's the same age range of Zion and Brandon Ingram. One of the best passers in the game fixed his shot to the point where it's above average, I would say, and seems to get along with his teammates too. It baffles me. They're going to end up signing and trading him for like a pick. And it's going to be so fucking annoying. Scott Brooks, who was in Washington for five seasons. That's so long to be in the NBA for when you're a guy like Scott Brooks, at least not with Scott. And he's his first coach and I get it, but he was bad. Like he was just a a bad coach in general. And this team, even though they didn't have a lot of talent, didn't really uh, live up to any sort of expectations. There are no rumored targets for them right now. Nothing beyond like people suggesting who they should hire. Do you have any thoughts on who their next coach could or should be? I'll be, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not exactly sure for the simple fact is I don't know who's going to be a wizard next season. Right. Like, I like the wizards might find like finally say to themselves, like, this just isn't worth it. Let's just yeah. go ahead and trade Bill and hit the hard reset button. And in that case, you know, there's, there's a quite a few names that they should definitely go after when they're talking about like rebuilding and retooling. Right. Um, I don't think Carlisle would want that job. No. Um, I haven't really given it much thought, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's fair. You don't, you don't, you don't think about Washington much in general, right? No, 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 no. Yeah, but it, but it's also because the playoffs are still going. So right, right. Clippers are still going. I haven't thought too much about offseason moves yet. Yeah, I don't really know anything either. I'm not really sure if there's a coach that can uh, make this team better than what it is, which is a team with a scoring champion. I think he was second this year to Steph and an aging Russell Westbrook and not a ton beyond that. So go for someone young, but at that point, you're probably giving up on Bradley Beal. I agree. They should trade him. I don't think they will. They are a classic stubborn small market team that is just clinging on to their best player that they've had for a decade, which I don't totally blame them for. I would like to see, to see if they can do anything Beyond that, to improve the roster, I saw a lot of people suggesting DeMar DeRozan, which is like the worst possible fit for that fucking roster. He's just the biggest name in free agency, but whatever. And lastly, after a tumultuous week for the Dallas Mavericks, Rick Carlisle has resigned. And this is a straight up resignation. He did not get fired or anything like that. 
If you haven't read the piece that Tim Cato wrote for The Athletic uh, detailing the turmoil in the front office and the growing worries that Luca will eventually leave the Mavericks, check it out. Probably the best bit of genuine journalism that I've seen in basketball this year. And Mark Cuban responded, total bullshit. And since then, his 24-year general manager has been fired and his 13-year Rick, uh, coach has resigned and didn't retire by the way he says I'm excited for the next chapter of my coaching career in his resignation letter which by the way he screenshot off the notes app and sent to Woj like he resigned from the from the Mavericks like a white girl got caught saying the n-word on Instagram and he screenshotted this fucking psychopath the, the keyboard is still up and you can see the line that uh, he's typing with. He wrote that in 30 seconds, screenshot it without even looking, and sent it to Woj. So funny to me. Uh, Rick Carlisle has been in Dallas for 13 years. He's got a title. We always give credit to title-winning coaches because even the coaches that you think don't do anything, like what people were saying about Ty Lue after the Cleveland title and after they fired Ty Lue, you'll see that he's just as good as everyone else. And he has that experience. I mean, he just broke the Clippers curse of never being to the conference finals. Obviously the players did it as well and more so than him, but he was there for that. And he's been a big part of it. Um, there's no one rumored to take this job except for Jamal Mosley. He sat, he, I don't know why Carlisle didn't coach that game if he was injured or sick or something, but he coached one game as the interim coach this year when Carlisle couldn't make it to the game. And after the game, Doncic, the quote is, he's got things that are needed for a head coach. He can be the head coach for sure. Sure, I guess that, that's, a, that's an endorsement. This should be, and I say should with emphasis, this should be a job that everyone wants. You get to coach Luka Doncic and be guaranteed to be a playoff something almost every single year. But the front office is a mess Beyond Luca, I don't think they've made a single good decision with that roster. I'm a big fan of Jalen Brunson, but he's not changing the game for you in any way. You know, uh, they have to put out Boban, who can't move because their seven three guy can't play like a center. You know, a lot of changes needed for for the Mavericks when they eventually trade Chris Stops for Kemba in the summer. I'm going to be pissed about it, but whatever, it's not going to work. Any thoughts on this or who their, should, their new coach should be or anything about I – mean, if you want to talk about Mark Cuban, just talk shit about Mark Cuban. We can do that too, man. I said, we, can go, we can go on a long rant about Mark Cuban. <laughs> but uh, Carlisle, I think that he's a good coach still. Um, I think yeah. he purely – I think he got out coached by Ty Lue, but I don't think that means he did a bad job. I think he had a shorthand that he was dealt, and he just – he did the best he could with what right. was there. There's a couple moves I feel like he could have made and could have just – I mean, they, he took the better team to a game seven – ultimately right. uh, with his second best player giving him absolutely nothing. So mm -hmm. I, I don't, I think Carlisle's still a good coach. I think wherever he goes, whether it be um, Portland or whether it be Boston, I think he's going to make those guys better. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's like I said, you said that this job should be one that everybody wants, but you're right. Like it should be, but you have this weird dynamic with the uh, Bob Bulgaris guy, yeah. the uh, international gambler. Like there's this weird relationship between him and Mark Cuban, the, idea that he's actually like has his hands in right who the mavericks draft what lineups they use and too much to the point that lucas like who's actually the coach you right. um carlisle or bob so like i that's the, i'm not sure who 
the next coach will be because I'm not sure exactly who wants to actually put up with a front office where you have to you have Mark Cuban in one year, this Bob Bulgaris guy in one year, and then when you're on the court, you have Luka Doncic potentially chewing you out and disrespecting you in front of the other players. Right. It's I, I, yeah. It's just it doesn't look good. The Dallas are gonna have to make some very hard decisions. I I don't envy them at all. I, right. I don't. I agree. Weird times and what should be the beginnings of the, you know maybe funnest times in Dallas since Dirk and they're, they're screwing it up big time. Not a fan. Carlisle is rumored to be very interested in the Milwaukee job because everyone was assuming that the bucks were going to lose and that they were going to fire Budenholzer and that Carl was going to get a job. If you're not a bucks fan, you may not remember this, but the last time that the bucks had an opening Budenholzer resigned from the Hawks with the assumption that he was going to be able to get the bucks job. And Carlisle, while I didn't think he would ever give up that job because you have a 20-year-old superstar, has left the job and is likely likely resigned with the idea that very possibly that Bucks job was going to be open. I We could win the title this year and sweep everyone, and I'd still fire Budenholzer for Rick Carlisle, okay? I, he's not any type of, you know, extraordinary genius at the job, but he would be compared to what, the, what Budenholzer has done. But can't complain game seven we're in the honeymoon phase now we're going to move on the mental health check i didn't give you a warning about this before but i'll explain it very quickly because i do an introduction every time i started this podcast in january or february in the middle of a just like a deep depressive episode uh, and i needed to be more busy i needed to do more work and pay more attention to basketball and try and really dive into that and at the same time we were still in month whatever of that fucking pandemic that we're not fully out of but things are starting to open up and for me when i was having guests on i felt that it was important to clear the air and talk about how we're genuinely doing because we don't have to put on faces for this shit i mean it's it's a very casual sort of thing so what i'll do is i ask you how you're genuinely doing you can tell me specific things you don't have to do specifics either though there'll be no pressure um and up down recently you know obviously game seven but then there's game one loss today jay how are you doing man i'm gonna tell you what i'm doing great uh wasn't doing too hot uh well you know then during the jazz series when we went down oh two i was yeah uh, even even worse when we were down oh two to the mavericks the clippers had me in uh <laughs> absolute turmoil had me right had me doubting how much i actually love basketball had me doubting how much i actually love being a clipper fan because yeah it's been, yeah. it's been nothing but pain. But outside of basketball, I've been great, man. I've been blessed. Um, start school, starting, getting ready to start back school nice. um, for the next, the newest semester. The summer, I'm um, starting tomorrow. Anxious, right? Um, nervous, but nonetheless, I feel good and happy to be where I am right now. That's awesome, man. That's good to hear. Um, yeah, I was feeling the same with the Bucks when they. Uh, one, when they went 0-2 against Brooklyn, and the second time when they just botched Game 5. I mean, they should not have gone to Game 7. No. Um, you're right. Being a Bucks fan is pain. It's utter, utter pain. And I was genuinely like, should I just root for a different team? Like, not be a diehard by any means, but maybe I should just watch someone else for a little while. And uh, But, obviously, I'm on a very, you know, high cloud right now. I rewatched game seven yesterday or this morning uh, when I took my bus back to Milwaukee because I did not remember as much of the game yesterday because I was intoxicated. 
important Bucks games sober. That's a very important lesson uh, because if they were going to lose, I couldn't remember either. But great game, really cool. I'm feeling pretty well. No real complaints. I've been working a lot, so I've been too busy to think about much, and I've been able to see people often, which was not a thing several months ago. So it's been very nice, very cool, no real complaints. The second round is almost over. Right now, Philly and Atlanta are playing. I don't know the score. Let's pull it up live on the podcast. I'm going to hit up Bleacher Report, despite it being the worst sports app of our center of our lives. But it's the one I've got. And the Hawks are up one with uh, two minutes left in the quarter. God, I want the Sixers to win so badly. We will talk about this Z series coming up next. Do you have any thoughts on Philly Atlanta? Uh, they're finishing up right now. Anything you've seen, not seen, anything you're convinced, any hot takes? Doesn't have to be uh, super long. Uh, nothing too special other than Trey Young is who I always thought he was. I know a lot right. of people thought that he was an a empty stat guy, empty calorie type guy who couldn't really contribute to winning, but yeah. he just continues to show people that he is the real deal. He shows people that he should have been an all-star. Yeah, and he's showing people that he should have been even all NBA, leading a, t- a franchise who has not been right. in the playoffs for years into the playoffs, and um, actually dominating in a round, and now potentially pushing I, the number one seed to a game seven. Yes, Trey Young is that guy. Um, and I, I can go into. I would take this chance to uh, talk <laughs> down on Doc Rivers, but I do enough of that elsewhere. Uh, Doc Rivers. I saw a tweet that said Doc is the black bud, uh, bud like Budenholzer, and that's just kind of mean, but I, I don't, I don't. Uh, factual. I, yeah, it's it's factual for sure. <laughs> I'm not too sure where the argument is. He's blown more 3-1 leads than any other coach in history. He's blown several, I think the most 10 to 20 point leads in the playoffs than any other coach. Mm-hmm. It is rough, and I think we're pretty much I, – I need the Sixers. So, I, as much as I want the Sixers to go to the next round, I'd love to play them. Milwaukee just does not – Milwaukee and Giannis just do not respect Philly every time we play them, and I would rather have that than a, a, a happy, hungry Hawks team. I also don't want to see Bogdan in the playoffs. I, 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 I've been pretending that he hasn't existed since the trade didn't go through, and it's been very hard to pretend that because he's fucking killing it. Good for him, though. He's making more money, and he's still on a, starting on a playoff team. Can't hate. Um, I need the I need the 76ers to choke, though, because I want, I want Ben Simmons to be cheap for trade. I want CJ for Ben. I want Dame to finally have someone that can play some fucking defense and play make. And I want it to be cheap for the Trailblazers because I want the best for them. At least Dame. I don't really care about the rest. Uh, they are fine. But some big changes are needed on both franchises, and hopefully they can try and help each other. Imagine if they had just traded for James Harden. A lot of teams saying that. A lot of teams saying that. Dude was having a bigger impact on one leg than Ben Simmons did in a, in a, in a And that's not even a fucking lie. Like, not even close, you know? Atlanta's super cool. Trey is super cool. It's very fun that even though Luka turn, looks like he's going to be historically much better than Trey Young, uh, Atlanta never really has to worry about that. You know, he's in the East. He'll probably have more success than Luca and he's still going to be putting up. They, they're not, they don't have any buyer's remorse in terms of no. drafting Trey Young. And honestly, the Suns don't have a ton either, which is a really good transition to the Suns sweeping the Nuggets. The Suns, because DeAndre Ayton is not an 82 game player. He's not, he's fine in the regular season. He is he is Bahamas Andre Drummond, you know, in the in the in the regular season. This man is a 16 game player. This 
he is beasting up dudes, man. I mean, in two consecutive series, obviously limitations on both rosters and injuries, but he has outperformed Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic in consecutive series. And now he doesn't have to play a center, you know, no real thoughts on this uh, series. The Suns, the Nuggets, Nuggets didn't have Jamal Murray. You're not going to win against a real team or compete. Apparently Michael Porter jr. Turned into a fossil, but we always knew that without a passer, Michael Porter Jr. wasn't going to be able to do anything. We just knew that uh, until he figures out how to create his own shot. That's how limited he's always going to be. Jokic did great. Lost it at the end. I would have too. Any thoughts on Suns Nuggets? No, but I think it's so funny you said that they can't beat a real team yeah. without Jamal Murray. So what does that make the Portland Trail Blazers that, that they beat that around before? Bro, the tra- <laughs> if, the, if the Trail Blazers played any team that wasn't, wasn't number one, missing their number two score, and number two had zero uh, defenders on the perimeter to guard Norman Powell, CJ McCollum, and Damian Lillard, the Trail Blazers would have been swept the fuck out of the playoffs, man. I, I I mean that they were a G League team, basically, especially on defense. And it's not even Terry's fault. God, I don't want to talk about this or dive in. But Neil Olshi saying like this playoff loss was not indicative of the roster. Are you fucking kidding me? Like you don't have you're playing Yusuf Nurkic like 38 minutes a game. Who's less removed from a torn Achilles than Kevin Durant is. And he's your second best player in the playoffs. The roster sucks. They've messed everything up. They paid two first rounders for Robert Covington, which is fine in essence, but not if he's supposed to be your number one defender because he's never been an on-ball defender. And now with those two picks, you can't even do the Brooklyn or Milwaukee Bucks thing where you just sell all your picks for one player. They can't even do that. CP3 is out with protocols right after the, the sweep. It was like two or three days after the sweep. They announced that he tested positive despite having two both doses of the Pfizer vaccine. There's no indications on his return. I've seen a lot of guesstimating on Twitter. Everyone became a doctor during the pandemic, apparently, because I'm seeing a whole lot of guessing when he'll be back. Uh, Some people say one game. Some people say the series. I don't know if he is asymptomatic. I think it I think with the vaccine, it's like a less time, but I have no idea. And then on the other side of that series, this is going to be a transition to the Clippers jazz series because apparently my transition game is fine today it's not Giannis, but i don't know it's like cameron Payne level i'd say uh clippers clo- yeah <laughs> clippers closed it out in seven against the jazz and they played the last two games without Kawhi leonard aka the best player in the playoffs with a, besides kevin durant no one really saw this coming especially after the Kawhi announcement you know but the guy that has been routinely dismissed and made fun of and memed about has stepped up for them. Uh, you want to talk about Paul George? Go talk about Paul George. All right, man. Paul George is probably the most um, microscope player mm-hmm. in the entire NBA. Nothing he does goes uh, missed. Whether well, I'll tell you when he plays well, it goes missed. Yep. But when he plays bad, it's under a microscope. I had someone tell me that. He hasn't had a good series since he was a pacer. And I'm like, right. no, that's absolutely not true. He's had good series. He has bad games in a series, but yeah. you can have a good series and have a bad game. And I think that's so and I think that statement is so ludicrous because that's saying that he made it to the Western Conference Finals by not having a good series. Right. So that just shows you just how hard people are on Paul George, which I think is so funny. I feel like I feel like, the funny thing is I feel like people are harder on Paul George than they are even some top 10 players in the league. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. So, so I feel like 
so it's funny that people say that he's not top 20, he's not top 30, he sucks. But then, they put, <laughs> but then they put him under a microscope as if he is a top 10 player, never letting right. anything go on excuse. But don't want to throw a pity party for him. Paul George showed up. He showed out. He led the Clippers to their first Western Conference Finals ever. He made history, averaged 30 points while doing it. No one should question Paul George. He is, and it's not something new. Like, this is who he always has been. He's always right. been a play star who can get you points, who can lead a team. This is what he's always been capable of. I'm glad he had this moment with the Clippers. And hopefully, and I'd love to see him make more history in the next run in this um series yep. against the Suns. Yep, I agree. Still would not uh, set any of my friends up to date him, but you can no longer doubt his playing. And he he's doing this without Kawhi. I don't I don't know what it is about when he's the only guy that can do stuff on the floor, but he really does take that. You 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 wish he could carry that over when Kawhi is there, and he does occasionally, but on occasion he just falters to Kawhi and, and you'd love to see more of it he's fucking killing it and he had a great game today despite the loss we'll cover that in a hot second but first the Bucks took down the Nets in seven in a close game I've been saying it all series you don't get in a close game with Kevin Durant why because you lose that game it's very simple damn near fucking did his toe on the line he hits that shot we, we go home you know what I'm saying we go home that show, and he was pissed about it too. You can see he was saying fuck. Uh, and when he saw the replay, was his foot down the line. But we fucking did it, man. Oh my god, I've never had a moment like that as a Bucks fan. I've been watching for a decade plus, you know, like you, like mm-hmm. we both said, being fans of these teams are is pain, yeah. it's only pain, and they find new ways to hurt us every single year. Last year for both of us was a whole new way to hurt us as fans of those teams, you know. My god. But they fucking did it. And they did it with their stars. My favorite tweet before we get into it, the the game that I saw was people saying Giannis averages six yards a carry every time he gets the ball. That's fucking funny. That's really fucking funny. God damn. Giannis had 40 points, 13 rebounds, five steals, one block. I think it's five assists. I miswrote that. Two for six for threes, which is fine. Eight for 14 from the free throw line, which is all you need from Giannis. You got you got to hit some of them, you know? Yeah incredible game hit the shot to tie the game before Middleton hit the go-ahead bucket and whole game was getting to the rim the way he wanted to and playing great defense still didn't guard Katie which I still think is weird not that I would take PJ off of him PJ has done a better job on Katie than I've seen anyone do in a playoff series against Katie but it's 60% PJ 20% Chris and 20% Drew guarding him I would have liked that to be more 20% Chris 20% Giannis but Whatever, that's nitpicking. Chris himself had 23 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, and 5 steals. That's back-to-back games with 5 steals from Chris Milton. A lot of them helping on Kevin Durant and taking the ball while he's in the post, uh, which is his favorite way to get buckets. And he had the go-ahead bucket to make it 113-111. The Nets would not score. The Bucks win 115-111. Fucking incredible, man. Drew had 13 and 7 and 8. Shot like shit again. I don't know what happened to Drew Holiday. I saw a lot of Drew Bledsoe tweets out there, which is not unfair. But if Eric Bledsoe was on this team, we lose in four. Let's be real about that. If it wasn't Drew, it was Chris. Or if it wasn't Drew, it was Eric and... Uh, he had some big buckets down the stretch. He had that three where he did the uh, the the crossover 
uh, back step behind the line to hit it over to Harden. That was smooth. I mean, he was breaking shit like that all game, so I was worried when it went up, but he hit it. And he had a baseline jumper right after that. So he was important, plus his defense on everyone and his rebounding and his defense. I mean, that's just Drew's main. That's his name, man. And the last person I wanted to mention before we do this, I didn't write down any of the stats for the fucking Brooklyn Nets because fuck you guys. You're in Cancun now. I don't care. If you want to listen to a Nets podcast, why don't you listen to Mina Kimes, even though she's been a fan for like four years. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Isn't that cool, man? I I bet she's so mad right now. (laughs) Brooke Lopez, the franchise leader in points for the Nets. People forget. They used to call that shit Brooklyn, okay? That was Brooklyn back in the day. 19 points, eight rebounds, four blocks, and three of those blocks were on KD, including the last block at the end of the game um, when KD went for a layup to tie the game. Best Bucks game I've seen in my entire life. I've gone to every home game this year. I am using student tickets, so please don't think I'm privileged. I'm like medium privileged, I'd say. And I plan on going to more of them, baby. Uh, it is fun. It's a great time to be a Bucks fan. Probably the most important game of any of those players' careers on the Bucks. Not Kevin Durant, obviously, and not James Harden because he didn't have as much pressure with, with the injury. Giannis, this was the biggest game of his career. Same with Chris. Same with Drew Holiday. I mean, he hasn't had a bigger game than this. And probably Brooke Lopez. Uh, he never had really big playoff series with Brooklyn. And that one year he was when Los Angeles was the one year they didn't make the playoffs with LeBron. So they all stepped up. And I'll give some, some credit where it's due. Pat Connaughton, I have made fun and uh, spat uh, in the proverbial face of the gentrification sensation himself, but he had an incredible season or a series against the Nets. Good defense, getting in the passing lanes and actually hitting his threes. He had three threes in this last game. Exhilarating. Yeah, any thoughts, Jay? I, I know that's my turn to talk, but I want to hear you too. Oh, man. Uh, I'm happy for Giannis. I'm happy because he is a great player who, just like Paul George, is, I feel like, over is unfairly scrutinized to a point that it's just unnecessary. Like he has his force, he has his faults, but I feel like they aren't that. I feel like we look, we look, we spend too much time talking about what Giannis cannot do and not enough time talking about how, how elite he is and all the other things. Yes. So it's great to see that he can that he came out on top along with the books and it will be advancing to the next round. Also, I don't know if you saw this and I, I don't know if it was a fake report. I should have double checked that before I got on here. But I think I saw something that said that Kevin Durant actually wears a whole shoe size larger than his actual shoe size. Really? So, so it's so funny. Well, I guess he don't think it's that funny that the game was decided by his oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. being on the line. And it could be because if he actually wore his actual shoe size, that actually doesn't happen. <laughs> Kevin Durant, unbelievable player. Probably he looked like the best player in basketball in this series. Um, it's a shame that we couldn't see this series with Kyrie and Harden at 100%. It would have been a lot. I feel like it will. I'm sure it's, it's it's great to see the Bucks come out on top regardless, but I feel like it would be even more sweet if the Bucks had figured out a way to beat the Nets um, with everybody there. But excited to see what the Bucks – I have. I think the Bucks are going to come out the East regardless yeah. of who comes out um, on the other side. I agree. I just double-checked. It is true that KD wears a shoe size one bigger. So he wears an 18 on the court and a 17 off the court. That is pretty funny that it hit the line. Both that the shoe hit, uh, the ball hit his shoe on the way out of bounds. And maybe that doesn't if it's not big. And his 
shoe hitting the line for that three. That three was one of the scariest goddamn things I've ever seen, and he knew he was going to go for it. Uh, we're going to talk about the game today, earlier today, but first we'll do a little bit of preview for the Bucks in the next round. I want Philly. I don't think the Hawks can necessarily beat. I, I, I wouldn't say that they can't, but I would say that the Bucks just have the talent to really disperse them. They're like the Knicks if they had uh, shooting and like a superstar version of the Knicks, you know. I think that without DeAndre Hunter, they don't have anyone that can really mark Middleton. And Capella has an okay chance with Giannis, but after these past two series, I just don't see Giannis really uh, getting back to his passive ways. I think this is a win that elevates the Bucks mentally to a place that they're not going to continue to do that. Of course, that comes with the caveat that the Bucks find new ways to hurt me every single year. And I think Drew Holiday on Trey will be a super fun matchup. Again, I don't want to play Bogdan. I don't really care. Philly, there's several reasons I want to play them. One, Embiid with the meniscus tear, not that you always hope for injuries. It's just that he's more limited, and that would be easier for us. I don't care about playing Ben Simmons in the playoffs at all. <laughs> I would welcome it. With open arms, Seth Curry would average 10 threes a game and they'd still lose every game. I don't really care. Tobias Harris uh, has had no defenders in this postseason. First uh, first round, they play They play in the first round. Washington, right? No one can guard him. Yeah. No one's big enough. No one's strong enough. Playing Atlanta, the guy that would guard him, DeAndre Hunter, has been out the whole time. And now he's going to go against either Giannis or Chris or Drew, who can guard him better than anyone else has this season, uh, this postseason. I don't think that he will have a super fun time playing us. But also, who doesn't want to see Doc Rivers and Mike Budenholzer in a chess match for the ages? I guess you would probably call it a Connect Four match for the ages because I don't think they're on chess level you know, right more now. Like, more, more like tic-tac-toe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> tic-tac-toe, but, you know, Budenholzer's marker is out of ink and and <laughs> – Doc can't figure out the clicky for uh, turning it on. God damn it. I think it would be great. I think that Philly, we don't respect, we've never respected Philly. Like this Bucks team has faltered two teams. They, when the going gets tough, they have turned into puppies in the past. And it has changed this season primarily because of Drew and PJ's mentalities on the court and Bobby Portis's when he's playing. You saw it a couple times in this offseason. That first game against the Heat, there were the jitters. And we got mollywopped a couple times by the Nets, and you could see our attitude fall a little bit. So to go against the one team that's really ever, like, for some reason, pissed off the Bucks and Giannis to the point where they've never played lazy or sloppy against them because of how focused they are and just kicking their asses, I would love to play them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Last thoughts on that before we go on to the Western Conference Finals. Anything? Uh, more so than anything, I feel like the Bucks should be ecstatic if the Hawks ends up going on to the next round. Yeah. You know, Trey is the engine of that offense. Drew Holiday is going to be the best defense. Well, not he's he's just as good. He's just good, if not better, than Ben Simmons at defense. Right. So as long as you, th- you have multiple large big defender to throw at Trey. And I feel like that's enough to slow down Trey, slow down the Hawks offense. And most importantly, the Bucks offense is so potent that I don't think that the Hawks would be able to keep it under wraps. Mm-hmm. So ultimately I think that the Bucks would should favor the Hawks over the Sixers. But then at the same time, I don't feel like the Sixers have 
the offensive output to really stop the Bucks. Yes. Uh, you talk you talk about Ben Simmons not going to be a factor on offensive end. So really, you're playing five on four every time on every trip down. Um, and B, despite the meniscus tear, has still done damage. Oh yeah. That's oh yeah. Why I wouldn't want to play with him or even see him. I I think this is like I don't. It doesn't really matter who goes there. No no. Neither one of those teams have what it have the. Um, I don't feel like they have the personnel to really, really, really bother um, Giannis. So right. I'm excited to see this. I mean, I'm excited to see either one come out. I hope it's the Hawks. I'm, I'm going for the Hawks, though, baby. I want to see Trey Young in his first Eastern Conference Finals. And I want to see uh, Doc Rivers uh, be exposed for the fraud that he is. Right. Uh, that is just right. And I would be pulling for them, too. I don't really care about either opponent. I just I felt like being the Nets was, despite their injuries, still the biggest threat in the East, uh, in my opinion. So, I mean, KD is just Kevin Durant, man. Uh, don't ever want to go up against him. But I agree. I don't think the Hawks can handle Giannis at all. They typically will have Collins and Capella trade turns guarding him. Neither can really do it, and he can beat them both in different ways. Drew Holiday is probably the first guard that Trey will see in the playoffs that can also bully him on the other end, you know, not just like ah, get him in the, get him in the pick and roll or anything like that. Cause he can do that, but just put him in the post. Drew loves to punish younger guards and smaller guards. And Trey is about as small and young as you can get in that. And that's not a knock against him. Obviously he's still an incredible player and they've had practice in guarding James Harden for seven straight games in the foul baiting. So they're going to be prepared. Not that Trey will not get any foul calls, but they'll be more prepared in how to guard him after guarding James Harden for seven games. Important to note, everyone's saying that this is going to be an asterisk season and an asterisk playoffs, whatever. You guys can say what you want. I'm certainly not the authority on any of this. In my opinion, every single team has a considerable injury that's left. Even the Nets were just eliminated, had two, their two, uh, two and three best players were pretty much not healthy for the entire thing. I mean, Harden still played better than anyone else would have in terms of who they had on the roster, but was severely limited, and I recognize that. The Suns are missing Chris Paul. He's still in protocols. We're not sure when he'll return, but at least he will return both rested and healthy, which is really nice, you know, if there's a silver lining to that situation. Kawhi has got this ACL thing that they've been very quiet on. I think we're all pretty sure that it's not a tear at this point. There is some assumption that he'll be back, but I have the feeling that this would be a month injury if it weren't the playoffs, something like that, you know? And no one's even talking about Ibaka. He'd be their third best player in the series. He'd be Garden Aiton, and he'd be a big rebounder, and his shooting would be very welcome. Because your centers right now aren't, I don't know. We're going to do the Suns and Clips in a second. Sorry. <laughs> but he's been out and nobody's talked about Ibaka. He's a fantastic center. And he's exactly what that that team, if you go the uh, the four wings, and Ibaka is a fantastic lineup. But he's out. Philly has still missing Danny Green, who people have also forgotten of. And some people would argue that that's addition by subtraction, which may be because Danny Green has been <laughs> has been more named than anything else for several years now. And Embiid is struggling with that uh, small meniscus tear, despite still being easily their best player and the best player in every series he's played in so far. Credit to him. 
And the Bucks, while it's not massive, one of their starters, I mean, losing a starter for the playoffs is a big deal. And they lost Dante DiVincenzo. In this series, though, PJ more than made up for the slack and honestly probably would have been starting by game two to start on Kevin Durant in terms of playing the defense on him. And Pat Connaughton did exactly what you would have wanted Dante DiVincenzo to do in this series. Rebound bigger than you than you actually are. Defend, but don't get a... Don't gamble, just defend hard and hit your threes. That's all you could have asked of Dante DiVincenzo, and that is what Pat Connaughton delivered. Very happy for that. So everyone's got a little bit of injuries. And we're seeing two teams missing. I guess you could argue that they're both the best player of their team uh, at worst 1A, 1B type of situation. But the Suns and the Clippers played today. I don't know if this pisses you off, but it pisses me off. Why start the next round when there's still a game going on? Like there's still a series going on, let alone a fucking game seven that's happening tonight. You couldn't wait another day. You could have had game one tomorrow. They're not going to have any games tomorrow. Right. I guess, it, I guess it's not. There's going to be a game tomorrow. Uh, who's playing tomorrow? I'm trying to remember. Da, 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 da. I think the books play tomorrow. No, nah, man. Cause they'd play the winner of Philly and, uh, uh, that's right. So there's no there's no games tomorrow. There isn't a game tomorrow. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. So they could have played on Monday. You're I don't understand. Right. I, I I was sitting there trying to figure it out myself. Like the Clippers have played, they played four, they played 15 games in 30 days. Yeah. Since since the first round, I think it was game five against the Mavericks. They played a game every other day. They have not had two days off. They could have granted the Clippers at least two days off, especially if they finished their game in six. I mean, if they, right. if they, if they was a game seven, they would have played on Monday, I guess. So, so why not just right. give them, why not, you know, why not made that game that would have been game seven for right. them on Monday? I just, every, I don't get it. Every reason to do this, like every aspect that you look at this beyond money and scheduling, which I'm assuming is the reason they did have the game today says that you shouldn't have had this game today. There's a game seven. Let the game seven happen. The uh, the other series haven't hold up yet, so just don't play the Western Conference Finals before the Eastern Conference Finals are set. Both teams have stars that you love to market and are very profitable for this league injured. Give them another day. Just give them another fucking day. But whatever. They play today. Close game. I think it was like, what, 115, 111, something like that, 120, yes. 115. Yeah. Um, PG had 34, great game from him, hitting a lot of step backs, a lot of jumpers. He was getting to the rim, but I've been more more impressed with him, his ability to just hit jumpers off the dribble. That's, in my opinion, like the hardest thing to do in basketball is hit jumpers off the dribble without the rhythm, Absolutely. without the, 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 yeah, just without the rhythm. Reggie had 24, and he has been fantastic this year. Talk about the Paul George redemption arc, but the Reggie Jackson redemption arc has been fantastic too. And I guess we forgot because Detroit was never in the playoffs, but he was always fantastic for OKC in the playoffs. Uh, so I guess we could have guessed that he would rise to the occasion, but he's shooting again. He's got, I don't know what the look he's going for. He looked like Stack Shock or something with the hair and the glasses, man. I, I love it. He's doing great. I love how well he's playing. Uh, Boogie was the only other Clipper with double digits in this game with 11 and Boogie has played pretty solid, but it is a testament to Sergi Baca, his absence when Boogie is logging. I think it was like 13 minutes today. Zubac had 18. They went with a lot of small lineups to that. He, they're the only one in the double figures and the Suns 
to contrast, had six players in double figures. And that's with, even with Booker dropping 40, and they only had like 120 points, so that's a quarter of their points, they still had five other players with double digits. They played very well. They are the most put-together team that's left in the playoffs. That does not guarantee them a chip, but it will help when the going gets tough. So Cameron Payne, Cameron Johnson, Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, and Booker all in double figures. Booker with 40 could not be stopped. And Ayton had 20 and nine. The difference in this game, I think, was mainly just Booker hitting shots in succession. When you hit five or six shots in a row and no one can stop you, it's going to kill everyone. I didn't see a ton. I made a joke to you when we were texting before this pod a few days ago that Batum was going to guard Aiden better than anyone else has in the postseason so far, and he fucking blocked him on a post-up, so I wasn't too wrong about that, even though I was joking. What did you see in this game one? I know you watched it very intently. This is part of the reason I brought you on. I haven't talked in depth about the Clippers this year, and I would love to. What did you see? What adjustments are needed, and can you pull this off without Kawhi? Because I don't know if he's going to come back for the series. Yeah, I don't think I don't know if Kawhi's going to come back for the series either. Um, they said he died with an ACL tear. At at the very least, it's an ACL it's an ACL sprain. Right. So I think that. Uh, with that being said, you said I think he's earlier. This is going to be like a month injury in the regular season. Yeah. Right. I think at the minimum it should be two weeks. That's mm-hmm. at best best case scenario, which means he'd be back around game five. Which right. this series could well be over by game five. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kind of adjustments that the Clippers need to make and things I've seen. One, they cannot play DeMarcus Cousins. They just can't. Uh, yeah. he, he, got, he was in double digits. That was nice. But he's just a sieve on the defensive yeah. end. He can't guard the three-point line. They're going to eat him alive. He can only hang around the basket. And uh, he just hemorrhages points for you. So if you're not scoring at a constant rate while he's on the court, then you're losing the battle with him on the court. Uh, so not playing DeMarcus Cousins. Not playing Rondo, which – because Rondo's been pretty much in the same – he's been in the same uh, basket. We haven't got playoff Rondo because because we're the Clippers, of course. Anytime there's a player with a reputation, a great reputation, when they come to us, they just it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, so, same with the Bucks. <laughs> like it we has get, been. We get, we get guys who are, like, known for shooting threes. They just kind of don't. don't. Yeah. <laughs> they, they just kind of don't. Uh, so playoff Rondo has not been good. He, I think he – I think he had a team worse plus minus. I think he had, like, a plus minus of 11. In a yeah. game that we lost by five. I think Boogie had like a plus minus of like 10 to 11 in a game we lost by five. Right. Those two guys don't play. We might have had a better chance of pulling this off. So I don't see them guys playing. I don't see those guys playing much more in the um, coming days. So I think the main adjustment is get Pat Beverly those Rondo minutes. Um, give Terrence Mann those minutes. Give Luke Kennard those minutes. Yeah. And as, as far as those 13 minutes that DeMarcus Cousins got, um either i don't know if you can play zubak too much more to be honest with you maybe, right maybe allocate those minutes towards oh, i have to go look at the minutes distribution but it's, it's they have a, they have a hard hand dealt to them because i think marcus morris is hurt now no, is it? so there isn't there's not a lot of options that's pretty much the basic thing yeah ibaka's great would have loved to have had him but him, his absence has just put the team in a very tight bind at, yeah. at, at the um, forward slash center position. I did want to ask, do you think with the injury, Ibaka is going to opt into his player option or try and get a longer-term contract outside of it? That's actually a very good question. I think he's going to opt in, though, because, for one, I don't think he have the um, – back injuries in the NBA are tough. Back injuries, period, are tough. They're yes. lingering. They tend to – 
pretty much never go away. That's right. the reason why Michael Porter Jr. failed was projected to be like a top three pick in his draft, and he fell right. all the way to like fourteen because mm-hmm. stuff like that just don't go away. And with him being older, being like, I think he's he looks like he looks a lot older than he actually is. I think he's like thirty actually. Thirty. Yeah. Yeah, he's around there. He's around that age. But him being 30, 31 with a back injury, needing surgery and all that thing, I don't think I don't think he'd have the um, leverage to go into a new, a new team and say, I want a multi-year contract. They're like, well, we want to see can your, does your back still work? Right. So I think he's definitely going to opt in. He's going to keep that money on um, with the Clippers and try to prove that he still can play. Right. Next so he'll be returning to the Clippers. I'm and sure. that's what you guys should want, right? You would prefer – I mean, it's not like you could afford someone as good as Ibaka outside of the market, I think, in terms of the cap. It's tr- it's a tricky situation. Um, I think we could probably – I don't know I don't know if we have our, if our um, mid-level exception this year or our biannual exception. I don't know which one we have this season. Gotcha. Up. Um, but there's a chance that we could sign someone with that. And to be honest with you, that would actually probably be best – Mm-hmm. But the simple fact that Ibaka didn't play 40 games or something. That's true. Season. That's fair. That's he fair. didn't play in the first round. He didn't play in the second round. So I, he, I, you kind of could say he's replaceable because he didn't really play for us. That's totally he, fair. You know, so if we go into the next season and he doesn't play again, then that just puts more pressure on those other guys when we could have potentially secured a backup who would at least be there, can at least play 10 minutes and give right. us something. Yeah, either either some more wings for you guys. Um, Otto Porter is like the perfect target for you guys, I think, in terms of just getting more wings stocking up. But maybe a new center room in general would mm-hmm. be nice. You know, would love to see Kem Birch in a Clipper jersey. Oh, yeah, you're awesome. Yeah, I, I love that man so much. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to talk about? We're pretty much wrapped. Uh, we can talk about Kemba trade if you want. I mean, is, is Boston ever going to get a high value free agent that's not white ever again is it won't be in the foreseeable future i don't think uh they've 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 done a lot of their reputation has been stained a lot in part because of their own stupidity and because of some things that players are saying and players talk and you know from between between what ad and what Kyrie have had to say about the celtics and their mistreatment of of it and i cannot believe i'll be honest with you i cannot believe how much players have been upset over that because stuff I feel like stuff like that happens all the time in the NBA. I honestly do. I honestly feel like stuff that happens with IT happens all the time in the NBA. So I was so yeah. surprised with how much they held it over the Celtics head. Even IT EIT has wanted to come back to the Celtics. Even he isn't upset with the Celtics. So it kind of yeah. surprised me. I don't know. The shit with me is like obviously players that are important to the franchise that have been injured before are traded. That happens. Like it it sucks. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a huge fan of it. But it happens. Yeah, I think the the reason that players are so upset and people that outside of the, the players that are also upset is because he fucking played a day after his sister died on a broken hip in the playoffs because the team needed him. Like, quite literally, blood, sweat, and tears for that mm-hmm. franchise, and not a very nice send off. I. In a vacuum, you do that trade every time. You get Kyrie Irving. You give up very little in the process. Uh, a pre-non-washed Jay Crowder, uh, Isaiah Thomas, who you everyone thought was doing was going to probably not come back the way he he used to be, and a pick that turned into Colin Sexton, number eight pick in the draft. 
it's, yeah. it's, it's a good pick. That's fine. And honestly, Sexton would be a very fun addition to this uh, Nets team or this Celtics team right now because they need, a point, card. they need a point card very badly, even if Kemba was still on the team. They need something bad. Lonzo's a really good target. But they brought in town. I think it was they sent Kemba and the number 16 pick in the draft, which is a bit early to be trading draft picks. I feel like wouldn't you want to scope out who's going like who's on your draft board close to the draft at the combine because 16 when you're a team that doesn't have a ton of money to play around with is a good pick regardless Kemba and the number 16 pick and they brought back old friend Al Horford Moses Brown and a second round pick everyone on Twitter was kind of bashing the Celtics for this I have my own thoughts but I want to hear yours first First of all, I didn't know you could trade this early. <laughs> I did, yeah. I didn't know you could trade before the playoffs was over. I, I think it's not really smart. For like you, for the reason you said, like the combine hasn't even happened yet. Right. Um, you haven't even looked at who's available. And most importantly, like these other teams could lose and they could have guys they want to get rid of in the right. next couple in the next couple of weeks. So it's like now you've traded an asset that could have got you maybe a better player on one of these other teams that are still left. So it's just very weird to go ahead and do this move so soon. Uh, but at the same time, I like the move for the Celtics because it's going to free up money down the road where they can get a better player for Brown to play alone, Brown and Tatum. Uh, yeah. Kimball, Kimball just wasn't the guy. He just didn't click next to them. Um, Tatum and Brown need a point guard. They can get them easier looks and defend. Yes. Kimball was just not capable of that. So um, I also like, I like Moses Brown. I think they need, they need more big bodies on that yes. team. They, for as long as the Celtics have struggled to rebound and protect the rim and, you know, guys who could do the little dirty work for them. Moses Brown loves to rebound. So well, I think that's good for him. Also having Horford there to like mentor him and Robert Williams. Yes. Robert Williams mentioned that Horford has been a mentor for him in the past. So I'd like it for the Celtics. The Thunder are shameless. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, they are. I mean, they're going to trade Kemba for a pick in a year. Like they're, they're going to get a good pick for Kemba Walker and they're going to go after it. I am hoping things work out for OKC because it's very easy Obviously, Presti has made good moves, and he has made moves that moves have worked out how they wanted to. He has acquired players on big contracts with not an awesome recent history and rehabilitated most of them and gotten picks for them. You know, I mean, he turned Mello into Schroeder, who he turned into Danny Green in a first round pick. Mm -hmm. And he turned Danny Green into. I can't remember if they got anything, but they did get a pick for Danny Green from Philly. I don't know if they got a player. No, I don't think I don't, they. They got a. They actually did get a player, but it was a guy that nobody really cares right. about. And he got Paul, and then he traded Paul for a guy and a pick. Or no, no, it was Horford. They got Horford for Danny yep. Green, and then they sent Horford to Boston for Kemba Walker and a pick. They've gotten a pick in every single one of these transactions, and they're going to get one for Kemba Walker, if not earlier. Everyone keeps throwing around that gross Kemba for Porzingis trade. I think it's nasty, nasty, but I think it would be fun to see Shea with Kristaps. I think that would be fun. Um, I, I hope stuff works out for them. It's easy to do this, easier to do this than to actually um, deliver on that promise. And it's looking like two megastars could ask out for trades in terms of Zion and Luca in not now, but in three to four years, they could. And they are going to be first in line. They are going to trade 20 first round picks, you know, and some guys. We'll see. 
I no, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say I'm just a huge skeptic of this whole process that they're doing. Uh, like any team, like there's people champion Presti as a genius, but I mean any team could sell every single last one of their players for a pick. Like any team could do that. Yeah. The, down, the downside of doing that is now, okay, okay, let's say Zion's unhappy with New Orleans. You trade a bunch of those picks and some more of the few players you got on your roster because you got to make salary match, get Zion on your team. Zion now is still on a team just as bad as the team he just left. Why? Why would he be happy there? Because yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I think I think it'll happen in a succession of moves like it did for Phoenix. Trading mm-hmm. for CP and signing Jay Crowder after drafting a bunch of dudes that, that worked out. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't be a great situation, but I think if they do trade for a guy like that, they'll start to actually use their salary. <laughs> you know, they'll actually try mm-hmm. and meet the salary cap. And at that point, I think it depends on moves. Although I'm not super sure about the coaching um they just got some dude from uh, i forget his name donahue uh, or something yeah I'll be honest with you, i don't remember his name yeah it's some dude i don't know if he's good or not nobody really knows if he's good or not but shea has had a goat rotation of mentors for him as a point and i think kemba is going to be another person that can teach him things and it's Absolutely. going to be very fun and i will say as shameless as they have been with trading every single player in those situations like horford and chris paul has had nothing but good things to say about the front office coaching staff all of it so they have good reputation still there i like the trade for both teams everyone's trashing the Celtics. i don't really get it beyond making the trade too early but this is what happens with with players all the time you're if you're a horford a very specific type of player not mobile can shoot and defends really well you're not going to fit on a lot of teams. You're not going to fit on the Philadelphia 76ers or when they were starting him at power forward next to Joel Embiid. The fuck was that? Uh, And he didn't fit in OKC and he didn't even play in OKC if we're keeping it real, you know, he fits perfectly in Boston and he's going to have a good year in Boston. And people are going to be like, Oh, he is still good because this happens every fucking year, man. I mean, you saw it with Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder didn't fit with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then he goes to Memphis, has a decent uh, uh, season, gets traded, and is go, gets traded to the Heat in that Justice Winslow trade, and he's the reason they went to the finals. Obviously, Jimmy and Bam are their best players, but you, if you think he didn't hit every single three he shot in the playoffs last year, they would have been even close to the fucking finals? No. And now he's super important to the Phoenix Suns. Is he a LeBron stopper? No, he never has been. But he hits his threes, plays defense, and he's got that P.J. Tucker, I'm a dog mentality, which a team like this needed. It's very cool. And it's going to happen with Horford. He's going to have a great season next year. I am worried because I felt like Robert Williams earned the starting center position, and I think they're going to start Horford because of principle. Not that Rob is going to be upset about it if he, you know he respects Horford as a mentor and those sort of things. I just think you need to get him more minutes to see what you have in Robert Williams. Is he this defensive game changer that you can start next to Brown and Tatum, or is he a perennial sixth man type of dude? But at the same time, he's very injury prone. So taking two centers back in this trade is not the worst thing in the world. I'm a big Moses Brown fan. He gives me like Rashawn Holmes vibes in terms mm-hmm. of how he plays, which is a very good player. Don't get me wrong. No, no Holmes is very good. Holmes about to get like 20 million in free agency. Like you're going to be surprised with how much money he gets. Is if yeah. Jared, Jared Allen getting a hundred million dollar extension from the fucking Cavaliers, Rashawn Holmes is getting an $80 million offer. I promise I I had some Clipper fans ask me, you think we get Rashawn Holmes to um, replace Ibaka? I'm like, no, we, we can't afford oh, him. You can't afford him, man. And if him. you did, oh, that would be so nice. But no, you cannot afford him. 
I guess while we're talking about the Kings and because I like to go on tangents, I've got anxiety. Um, the Kings, there's seven coaching openings. How the fuck are you going to keep Luke Walton on your staff? He's the worst coach in the NBA, man. Like, he's genuinely bad, and I can't imagine the players like him. He's not a likable dude. Like, no. I've never – it's the most punchable face in the fucking NBA, and he's not, like, a good dude beyond that. You know, he's got assault allegations on his own roster or his own resume. I, I don't understand how you do it. You're not going to get like a Rick Carlisle because he doesn't want to go to Sacramento because nobody wants to go to Sacramento, but there's so many people available and there's so many openings. Everyone's going to be shopping for a coach right now. Join, join. That being said, all the coaching openings right now, somebody better hire Becky or I'm going to be pissed. Okay. Unless Becky is for sure waiting for pop to retire so she can take that job. There is no reason I don't see her being a co- head coach next season. And that's that's what I would like to see for sure. Where did we start? Where were we before this? Uh, we were talking about um, hmm. Al Horford, that trade? Yeah, that's where we uh, were. I like to trade for OKC. If Kemba plays in OKC, he's a good uh, mentor for Shea. A good fit in the backcourt, honestly. I mean, it worked with Schroeder and CP3 in the same lineup, you know. And gain the number 16 pick, which I'm sure they'll use to either – They'll either trade a lot to move up in the draft if they can. You know, no one's going to be trading number one, but maybe you can trade up to two and get Evan Mobley because they'd love a big man. They just traded two centers themselves. They could, they'd love a big man right now. Uh, or they'll find a really good value at number 16 because Sam Presti always does. He always has. He, he did in the OKC days and he does now. Or the, sorry, the Harden KD OKC days is what I was referring to. For Boston, though, they need a point guard. And every team that needs a point guard this offseason, in my head, I'm like, all right, go get Lonzo. He's the best point guard on the market this year, and he's going to be the best point guard on the market for a while. I mean, Chris Paul is about to – Chris Paul not leaving the Suns. Like, no. Chris Paul not leaving the Suns. So you're not going to get a better point guard. And that's not to say that he's only a good option because he's the only good option. He's like, what, 22 years old, 23? He's tall. He's tall. He – He's like a short Ben Simmons that can shoot. You know what I'm saying? Like a shorter Ben Simmons that can shoot, which is a very good fucking player. Everyone should want um, Lonzo Ball. And Boston, if they can get him, a starting lineup of Lonzo, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Al Horford with Robert Williams coming off the bench and maybe hopefully some more bench guys that they can get, not fucking Peyton Pritchard and, and Semi Ojale, someone else, please. That's a good team. I don't know if you're a title contender in an East that ha- will have a, a hopefully healthy Nets team and a fresh off a title run Milwaukee Bucks, but it's good. And he's on the same timeline as your two other stars. Um, that's that's pretty much it, though. You got any other thoughts either on that trade or anything else in the NBA? I'll tell you what, man. I, think, I feel like we hit every base. Yeah. All right. We're going to start wrapping this up uh jay i want to thank you for coming on this has been a lot of fun and i I, it's always i have yet to have a bad experience doing this but there is always a risk inviting someone that you strictly dm with on twitter to come on an hour-long podcast but i have listened to your podcast before so i knew you had the chops that's the popular demand podcast it's on all formats guys they got it on youtube too if you're one of those people i got friends that only watch the 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 video cut of podcasts which kind of like, do it 
it kind of defeats the purpose of listening to a podcast. But if they like it, they like it. Check it out. I'm a very big fan of it. Um, Jay, you got anything else you want to plug? Anything you want to say before we tune it out? I don't think I was thinking. Oh, only other thing I will say is it's been a pleasure being on. I love talking to people who are just as passionate about basketball as me. And uh, and I, 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 I talked about it on my podcast where it's so much fun talking to people who aren't typical, who aren't fans of the typical teams like right. the Lakers or even the Celtics. Because on a podcast, it's me, Clipper fan. My co-host, a Clipper fan. My other co-host is a Timberwolves fan. The other guy's yeah. a Suns fan. Yeah. So it's just so fun to get the perspective of other people around the league. So it's been a pleasure. I've had a, I had a lot of fun today. Absolutely, I appreciate it. We're gonna be signing off. Not really any big plans uh, for podcasts in the future, but you'll see me next week. I might do another midweek episode like I did last week, a solo episode talking about teams that have lost in the playoffs already and where they go from there. I have a lot of fun with those because I can script them out easier. It's less asking and interviewing people, which I do enjoy, but because I can script it out, I have time for adding in clips and sound bites and a lot more fun there. So check those out. If you want casual episodes will be coming up, check out Jay everywhere. Uh, his Twitter is jwob six at jwob six, and it'll all be in the show notes as well. His link tree will be in the show notes. If you guys want to check that out, Check out the Popular Demand podcast. Check out the Problematic Posse. I'm not a big watcher of video games, you know, like people that that play. But I do like uh, Donkey, and I do like Lean Cuisine. God, I love Lean Cuisine, man. He hasn't done the video game thing in a hot second, but... Uh, I miss it. I miss, I miss it, it too, man. Um, but it's it's in the same vein of that stuff in terms of a comedic element in, ter- in, in watching it while them also just being good at the games as well. So check that out if you want. They post clips on their Twitter all the time. That's where I check it out, but they're on all platforms as well. I was going to like end this with like a and remember and a joke after that. And I've been thinking about it for this hour that we've been talking and I have not thought of a joke. So I'm just going to sign off the podcast here. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time.